Esther chapter 5, verse number 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. The title is simple. The idea tonight, hopefully by the grace of God, will be an encouragement, a motivation to you. But in order to find out, you must be willing to step out. Before you can reach out and touch the scepter, you have to be willing to step into the king's presence. And so we'll talk about this tonight. Let's pray, and then you can be seated. Father, thank you for the time and for the the fellowship of your people. Thank you for the joy of being together. Thank you for the praises. God, thank you for the technology where we're able to involve and include people that aren't able to be here. God, thank you for the ones that are and for both watching and present. Thank you for people giving you priority. And I know there are a lot of other ways folks could spend their time And so, God, I pray that this would be worth the time tonight and that you would be honored by it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So much for standing. How many of you enjoy Chinese food? Oh, come on, let's let's hold it up. I mean, you really enjoy Chinese food. Yeah, it's a blessing. Um, In order to complete the experience, um, you have to get at the end, what do they call them? Fortune cookie, Chinese cookie, whatever. Yeah, you have to get one of those fortune cookies. You ever read those and enjoy it? Yeah? You don't? Okay. I looked up some. This is fun. (laughs) Here you go. A golden egg of opportunity falls into your lap this month. All will go well with your new project. All your hard work will soon pay off. Now, y'all think I'm making this up. This is real. It's in the cookie. <laughs> I like this one if it's Publisher's Clearinghouse. Good news will come to you by mail. <laughs> Hold the balloons. <laughs> y'all are, yeah. This reminded me of this morning. Long life is in store for you. As long as you don't keep eating at a Chinese buffet every week. (laughs) Personally, I found this one entertaining. Many will travel to hear you speak. (laughs) This is actually my favorite one. (laughs) New ideas could be profitable. (laughs) Way to go out on a limb there. Now is a good time to buy stock. Really? You are talented in many ways, unless you're not. (laughs) Excuse me. 
Last one, you love Chinese food. No. It's <laughs> what they say. You know, it's, it's kind of funny to sit there and read those, and I, I know of games people play with those, and if you want to know the game I play, you'll have to ask me when we're not doing a live stream. Not that I mind sharing it, I just don't want to distract from the message, and so, <coughs> excuse me, text me, and I'll be happy to, uh, <coughs> man, excuse me, I am sorry. I will be happy to share that with you, but wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it be life be so much easier if it was if success was as simple as opening up a fortune cookie? <gasps> Wonderful. All my problems are solved. My relationships are secure. My finances are set. Babe, we're going to retire with a yacht in 10 years. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if success was that easy, if it was guaranteed? But here's the truth about life, and here was the truth about Esther in that moment. Success was not guaranteed. I want to remind you of chapter 4. Then Esther, verse 15 of chapter 4, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now, we obviously have the benefit of hindsight, and we can say in hindsight that, yeah, she survived, and it turns out that like the three Hebrew children being cast into the burning, fiery furnace, like Daniel being cast into the lion's den, like David standing before Goliath, and so many other wonderful accounts from Scripture, she really did not have anything to worry about. But it's easy to say when it's not your neck that's on the chopping block, and it's easy to say when you're not the one that's about to face the lions or the fire or the giant. And we've got to remember this, that based on her statements to Mordecai, based on the intensity of her prayer, based on three days of fasting and asking for others to fast with her, that she did not approach this as though success in this endeavor was a foregone conclusion. She didn't approach this as though, I know that it's going to work out. She thought it was a very real possibility that it wouldn't work out, and it was no light thing. The consequences were no light thing if it didn't work out. We're not talking about a missed opportunity. We're talking about the ending of your life, you being executed because you violated the law of this king that unless he calls for you, he doesn't want to have to look at you, and so if you come into his presence when you're not bidden, he's going to remove the possibility that you'll ever interrupt his royal business again. Success was not guaranteed. Esther knows, please remember this, Esther knows that it is the right thing to do. Remember, she never argued that it wasn't. She argued that it was dangerous. But you can do the right thing. Church family, please, please be aware of this. You can do the right thing and it not always work out like you want it to. Uh, we live in a culture and different people have been doing this. You can even find examples of it in the Old Testament. But throughout history, this prosperity idea that if you always do the right thing, good is only going to happen to you. But that's not even the case in Scripture. There are charlatans 
claiming to represent Jesus Christ, whose, whose mouths are filled with the lies of Satan, and they preach a prosperity gospel that tells you you can just always expect to have everything that you want to have if you follow God. But that is not the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. Esther knows it's the right thing, but success is not guaranteed. Let me give you some examples in the Bible. Naboth and his vineyard. Naboth did do right. But then he was allowed for a godless queen to have power over him, to falsely accuse him of blasphemy, and then he was executed by wicked men. Moses leading Israel to Canaan. Joshua and Caleb had faith. They were ready to go in. They believed God's promise that he had protected them and he had made a way for the giants to be cleared out little by little and for the armies to be removed. Moses believed all of that. Caleb and Joshua believed that. But the people rose up in rebellion. And by the way, this idea that everything rises and falls on leadership is a false idea. Sometimes a leader like Moses can lead the right way, but people can be rebellious and not want to follow. And so that didn't go like, They wanted it too. That entire generation died. That's not success. David being chased by Saul. What what does David do? He did not advocate for being the king. He was just out in the field watching the sheep. Kind of like Joseph was. As a young man, I'm just out here doing what my daddy told me. Then Samuel comes, and Samuel says, it's none of these guys. So I come, and then I'm anointed. Then I go, and God uses me to kill a giant. And now Saul hates me, and I, who am his truest ally, am being pursued away from my home, away from my family, away from people I love. And I am being treated as the number one enemy of the state. And there were years where David, yes, you can say, well, he was successful in that he stayed alive, but things did not go easy for him or well for him in those immediate years. I didn't look up the passage, forgive me for this, but during that time Saul was pursuing David, he, he confronted the, the priest who had aided David. You remember David going, and he gets a sword, and he gets some of the holy bread in order to have nourishment, to have some tools for survival. And the priest helps him out, and then Saul comes up, and he accuses the the priest and all the priests there of being traitors and of committing treachery or treason against him. And he commands his soldiers to kill the priest, but they won't kill the priest. And so there was this man there named Doeg, and Doeg was a dog, and he kills all of those priests priests for what doing the right thing think about Jonathan Saul's son Jonathan was a loyal son he was a loyal soldier and he was a loyal friend and he died basically because of Saul's rebellion against God in order to remove the kingdom from Saul and to give it to David think about James being executed by Herod just trying to pastor in Jerusalem. Think about Peter eventually being executed. Think about Stephen in in the early church days in Acts, I believe chapter 6. He's just full of the Holy Ghost and good works and he's doing good. 
No, he's making his community a better place. He's ministering to people, and people are being helped, and the word of God is increasing, and the religious establishment is angry, and so they drag him out, and he witnesses to them boldly in the name of Jesus Christ, and they stone him with stones. And I understand that he went to heaven, and look, we all, we all get this, that in the end, it works out for all of us, but in this life, there is no guarantee that doing every right thing, every right, every time, is going to always produce the result that we want. And you can say, well, there are examples in Scripture of where it does, but there are also, as I've cited, examples where sometimes it doesn't work out like that. And I I know that the Bible can seem so distant. It doesn't need to, but just consider examples in our own life. Living by faith, doing the right thing, success is not always guaranteed to work. I personally believe, as I've studied history, and I'm by no means an expert, But I believe Abraham Lincoln was doing the right thing in the way he led this nation. I was. I do. How'd that work out? Oh, it worked out great for our nation. Right. But it cost him dearly. Cost his family dearly. You can do the right thing at your job. And it not work out. You can do the right thing in a marriage. And it not work out. You know, we need to be careful when we know someone's going through difficulty in relationships, assuming that the people we know have done something wrong. Sometimes people are doing everything they can right. It's just, it's not their fault. Are y'all with me on this? Do the right thing. Do the right thing raising your kids. You know, your kids have to make their own decision at some point. And and isn't it amazing that in one family we can see three kids or four kids or however many kids go one direction, and then one kid can decide, I'm I'm going another direction. And, and and, And because we're eager like Job's friends to explain to everybody what went wrong and how we're experts in all this, we say, well, you know, you must have. Okay, look, there's not a parent alive who's gonna say, I did a perfect job. Let's just all admit, without the grace of God, there go our children. Let's just admit that. No, look, I'm confident in how we raise our children, but I also recognize that I am a very flawed father, and I've made plenty of mistakes. I make them on a regular basis. I'll just say it this way. I make them on a daily basis, and if my children turn out well, God uses the parenting, but it's also an abundance of his grace. And the story of my parenting is still being written. Yeah, you can raise your children, to, and you can show your children and live before your children. <laughs> Not turn out. Go out and, you know, I talk about church planning. You know, sometimes missions or church planners' endeavors don't work out the way that we want them to. Like, well, they must have done something wrong. Maybe it's like in the Gospels where Jesus told the disciples to go preach and that there would be places that rejected them and you have to move on. It's not an indication that you weren't doing right. Maybe it's an indication that they're not receptive to it. And you have to keep moving forward. Has everyone that you've ever witnessed to received Jesus Christ as their Savior? No. Absolutely not. Try out a ministry and not work out. This doesn't mean, please stay with me, this doesn't mean that God won't eventually bring good out of it. It doesn't mean that. 
And it doesn't mean that it, the right is not worth doing. But doing the right thing in our life is not guaranteed to always produce the immediate result that we desire it to do. In other words, it is necessary that there be an element of faith when the result cannot be predicted or when the result cannot be guaranteed, when it is not a certain future, but when we know, we, we believe as best we can tell from the word of God and prayer and godly counsel that this is the thing we should do and we take a step of faith and we move in obedience to the Lord's command and then somehow things just don't work out the way that we want them to, we've got to be aware that sometimes that can be a possibility. But here's the point of this. That was true of Esther in chapter 4, but the only way she was going to find out is if she did it. I've got to know, and we talked about this thoroughly in chapter 4. I need to know what is right. Once I know it, I need to do it, and I have to be willing to trust God with the result of it. So she steps out in verse number 1. It came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. She comes into this area where the, she will be visible. She's not right up at the throne, but she would be visible from the king's throne. And she makes herself known. She makes herself visible. She puts herself in a place where the king will recognize her. And, and I, it's, it's really impossible for us to feel the tension of that moment. But imagine stepping through the doorway and into this court and you can see the throne there and you're just standing there waiting to see his face, waiting to see his countenance, waiting to see his response to you. And, and you don't know what it's going to be. And you, you know what the law says and possibly you... <coughs> Excuse me, you also know that there have been people who might have violated this law and have met their end. And so you step out and you have the tension of life and death hanging over you. And you might ask yourself, what am I doing here? But you know the answer to that question. You're here because you know it's what you're supposed to be doing. You've taken this step because you know it's right before God. You've taken this step because you know people's lives are worth it. You've taken this step because you know you have uniquely been positioned to intervene in a way that not even your cousin Mordecai is able to intervene with all of his influence. You have taken this step because before God you have sought him and you know it's the right thing to do and yet the outcome is uncertain and there in that brief moment between verse 1 and verse 2 is the tension of immediate death and the reason for citing all those other examples is because sometimes in the immediate aftermath there is suffering and there is trial and there is difficulty I love verse 2 and it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. The king was happy to see her. Now, I just, I want to make a note of this, but I want to use it to make a greater point. Number one, I like, I like that Esther lived her life in such a way that an, an emotionally unpredictable king, read chapter one and two, he was emotionally unpredictable. She lived her life in such a way that he was happy to see her. She did but there's more than just Esther conducting herself that way. 
God was involved in that. You say it doesn't say that. Yeah, but she obtained favor. She's unpredictable. She's been fasting. You say God's name isn't mentioned in the book. That doesn't mean that his hand wasn't at work. And we recognize from other scripture and from the tone of this story that he certainly was behind the scenes moving. And even though it's unseen, it's kind of like Jesus compared the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit to the wind. You can see the effects of it even though you don't see it. And you may not actually be able to lay eyes on God but you can see in response to an emotionally unpredictable king when the laws are stacked against Esther's actions, how he receives her. And he doesn't just tolerate her. Man, in verse number two, he holds out the scepter and she touches it. And then in verse number three, this is amazing. He's not just glad to see her. He says, you can have whatever you want up to half the kingdom. You know what I say about that at this point? God is blessing this step of faith. It's really good when it goes like this. Look, sometimes it goes like this. <laughs> sometimes instead of getting executed, it goes really well. And it did here. But here's how Esther found that out. The scepter is only held out to the one who was willing to step out. You know why Peter walked on the water? Well, because of Jesus. Yes, but he was willing to step out of the boat. He was willing to take a step of faith. The scepter will be held out to those who are willing to step out. Let me give a, make a very important distinction. Most of our efforts or acts of faith do not require taking risk that can cost us our lives. Okay, sometimes we act like they do. Wednesday night is so hard. I know, because they were waiting with Uzis outside your door. <laughs> no, come on, can we have a little fun with this? I'm not saying life isn't hard, but sometimes we're, at, we're acting like we're about to die, and, and what we're talking about are first world problems, <laughs> not other problems. I'm not saying it's not risky in certain ways. I'm not saying it's difficulty, but very few of us, if ever, if any of us ever, know what it's like to take the level of risk that Esther took or the example in the New Testament that Peter took or that Stephen took. Very few of us know what that is like. And I'm thankful that God doesn't require us to daily take those, <coughs> excuse me, to take those kinds of risk. But they can still be risky. Loving someone can be risky. Here's the truth about investing yourself in someone and opening up your heart to them is that you make yourself vulnerable and you don't have a guarantee that they'll always hold up their end of the bargain. It's a true statement. No, I, I, I believe I believe Andrea when she said, I do, and she believed me when I said, I do. But that is a daily decision that we have to continually make over and over and over again. And we are not immune to one of us rebelling against God. And we have confidence in the Lord, and over the years you develop much confidence in each other. But there is, there's not this guarantee, is there? No, we want there to be.
I, I remember one time opening up our home and the, the church where I was at, we had a gym and a man who was in a very, very, very difficult situation needed someone to love him and invest in him. And so we set up some parameters and just poured a bunch of life into him. And it was inconvenient and it was challenging, but we wanted, wanted so badly to see him make it and to see him grow. And for a while he did, but then just the difficulty and the temptation and the challenges overwhelmed him. And after pouring life and pouring resource and pouring investment into him, they just walk away as though those things were just easy for you to do. And it doesn't matter. And sometimes at the cost. Can I remind you that that happened to Jesus on a regular basis? Pour life into, invest in people, love them. Giving to missions is risky. Just be honest. I'm being real. But you, even in your own lives, you've seen how the markets have fluctuated. And, and I, it is, it is a risk to commit finances to the Lord. You say, but God, God will take care of us and God will bless. That doesn't mean things will always be easy. That's the reason there are passages like Philippians 4 where it says, my God shall supply all your need because there might be times when out of obedience you end up having some need. And a person can be doing really well and saying, I'm gonna, I believe this is what God wants me to do. And then some things that are unexpected begin to happen. And it's not as though we can predict the financial future. And it's not as though there is a guarantee that it's always only going to be going up. In fact, if we learn from history, there are going to be fluctuations. And more than likely, there are going to be ups and downs and losses and trials and difficulties. And you go, you go to a mission field. And there's not a guarantee that it's not going to cost you greatly. We do live in that kind of a world. You decide that you're going to give the gospel to someone. And there's not a guarantee that you won't suffer for trying to make that effort. There is risk in serving the Lord. But here's the thing. You won't ever know how it's going to go until you're willing to step out by faith. You won't know how God can change your life, change your habits, until you're willing to take a first step of admitting I have a problem and seeing what God can do with a humble, repentant heart that says I'm admitting that I've done wrong and God, I'm, I'm asking you to help me and you begin to seek him. You don't know what he'll do. I know that he can help and he has helped. You don't ever know how God can change or bring about reconciliation until you're willing to take a step of forgiveness or admitting that you're wrong. You don't ever know what salvation God could bring about in a person's life until you're willing to reach out to them with the gospel, willing to give them a track, willing to give them a conversation. Come on, let's be honest. We've all been guilty to one degree or another. I say we all. I don't know that. But many believers have had a thought like this. There's no way they're going to listen. Well, how do you know? Because I'm an expert in evaluating gospel receptivity. And I know. I mean, I'm consulted about this thing. I'm an expert. I know who's, who's, an, who's a legit candidate. And it's not them. It's not her. It's not him. I mean, just look at them. You don't know. 
And you know what? You're not going to know until you actually try and go talk to them. You know, as a church, again, I mentioned this this morning, not because, <coughs> excuse me, not because as far as I know we're about to do something. That's certainly not the case. I just want to keep these things in front of us that I believe until the Lord makes it impossible, we need to be continuing to try to move forward. And I believe at some point and at some time, and, and again, I could be wrong on this, but at some point in some time that the, the life of West Valley is going to require a different building or a different property or something like that. And you say, well, when that time comes, there are going to be things to talk about. And you know what's, you know what's going to be a part of that? Risk. But this is what we have to decide. Are we doing the right thing before God? And if as much as we can tell we're doing the right thing before God and we have seriously sought him, then we have to be willing to step into that. And we have to do that without knowing for certain that everything will go exactly like it's supposed to. But here's the thing. We won't ever know unless we're willing to take the step of faith. The scepter is only held out to those who are willing to step out. Let me give you a few thoughts and then we'll be done. Just because the outcome is uncertain doesn't mean the action is uncertain. Just because the outcome is uncertain doesn't mean the action is uncertain. I can know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but still not be sure that it's going to work out exactly the way that I want it to work out. Just because things don't go well doesn't mean that eventually God won't use it. Uh, let, me, let me give you some examples of this. The death of Stephen. Did God use that? Yeah, he did. In the end, in the end end, did it work out well for Stephen? Yeah, I see the Son of God standing. I, I'm not quoting that exactly, but I see him standing. No, Jesus Christ stood up for him as he was entering heaven. Did it work out well for Naboth? In the end, it did. Look at Joseph's life. Obeying his father produced betrayal or resulted in him being in a position where he could be vulnerable to betrayal. And then he's sold into slavery and he serves well, but then he's lied about. And by doing the right thing of resisting temptation, he's thrown into prison. And then by doing the right thing in prison, he's forgotten about. Did it eventually work out? Yeah, but there's at least 13 years there where it did not go well. Where things went very, very poorly. Just because things don't immediately go well doesn't mean God won't use them in the end. So two things. When things don't go well, praise the Lord and keep moving forward. I believe in scripture that we're supposed to praise God even when it doesn't go exactly like we want it to. You say, well, what do you do? What do you do when it, through no fault of your own, what do you do? Or maybe it is through a fault of your own that it hasn't gone well. Well, you seek forgiveness, you take evaluation, and then you've got you've to continue to live by faith and, and do the next step that is in front of you. But when it goes well like it did for Esther, here's what we do. We praise the Lord and we build off of it. And she's about, by the help of God, to do some serious building off of the opportunity that's been presented to her. Half the kingdom, 
oh, it looks like God is working out a plan of deliverance here. The king doesn't even know the opportunity that he's giving. The only way she ever had that opportunity is because she was willing to step out into the court in the king's presence. So here's the question. What steps should you be taking? I am not, please don't hear what I haven't said. I'm not talking about carelessness. I'm not talking about some kind of maverick, cavalier lifestyle where we just throw caution to the wind and we just do whatever crazy, impulsive thing comes into our mind. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you know, Esther knew what was right. But the only way she, the only way she realized the result was by taking the step of faith, and it was a step of faith. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith, because the results aren't always guaranteed when we take this step. We just have to do it. So t- we're talking about taking the step and trusting that whatever the result is, God will immediately or eventually use it to accomplish his purpose. You know what I'm afraid of? Is that as God's people, we put it on cruise control and we miss out on many opportunities because we weren't willing to take that step into the king's court. I don't know what's going to happen right. I, one quick personal testimony, and the story is still being written. You understand this? I've told you this, and this, this is still with me. When David Hetzer called me, I was terrified. When you voted, I was terrified. When my wife said, I think this is obvious, I was terrified. When I finally told Brother David and you, yes, I was still terrified. But this is the only way I was going to find out if God was going to bless and work is this, is if I take the step. Has God blessed? It's not because of me. But I would have never known that if I had stayed in the safety of what I could predict. I had to be willing to take a step of faith. And in your life, with a relationship, with your finances, with some act of obedience or submission, you're not going to know until you take the step. And you have to trust God with whatever that result is. Don't, don't go out and do something crazy. Well, pastor said that. No, pastor hasn't said anything. You've got to take responsibility to know what's right before God. But Oftentimes, we're not taking steps, not because we don't know they're right, but because success isn't guaranteed, and that's not living by faith, and we have to live by faith. Let's all stand together. (coughs) With every head bowed and every eye closed, With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to I ask you a few questions. Number one, are there steps that you have taken that, not, that did not produce the result that you hoped they would, and you're hurting? Not, I'm not, maybe you're angry, but you're hurting, and you're struggling to move forward because it's just hard. I wonder if there would be some of God's children that would raise their hand and say, in, in this area of relationship, in this area of service, in this area of effort or something, I took a step that I am convinced was right, but it just didn't work out, and I'm hurting from it. Would you please pray for me? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, see him, see him. Yep, yep, I see him. 
You need to spend some time with the Lord asking him to help you to trust him even though it didn't work out. Asking him to keep your heart from getting angry or hard. And, and to realize that you can do the right thing and it not go the, the right way sometimes because it involves more than just us. <clears throat> I wonder if there would be some tonight that would, that would say something like this. I, there are steps that I know I need to take, but I don't want to because I'm unsure of the outcome. If I, if I knew, if I had a guarantee, then I would do what I know is right. I'm not talking about some crazy concoction you've dreamed up that the principles of the word of God and sound thinking would never lead you to that. I'm talking about you know the right thing to do, but you also recognize the risk and because it's not guaranteed, you're struggling to take that step. I wonder if there would be some that would raise their hand and say, that's me. I'm struggling with that. You know, I see him. God bless you for your honesty. Well, if God is dealing with your heart in some way, Brother Nate will begin to sing. And you have opportunity, if God's spoken to you, to respond to him. I can do what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From a unsafe in His sheltering. by faith and feel no alarm. Though tempests may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the strife. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From a heart safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. If you know it, let's all go back and sing that chorus together. Sing it out to the Lord if you know it. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From a heart safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. Father, we're thankful that we can be here tonight, and we can't always guarantee the results of what we do, but ultimately success is not in what the immediate result is. Success is in our obedience to you. In one way or the other, Father, you will bring good and do good and accomplish your purpose and your work. And so, Father, help us to live by faith, not carelessness, 
but by faith in you, in you and in your truth and in the work of, your, uh, of you and your spirit as you lead us, Lord. Help us to live by faith and to trust you with the results and to know that one way or the other, we're going to be successful because we're obeying you. It may not look like what we want it to, but we can trust you with that, Father. So please help your people who have experienced or are going through disappointing times. God, would you encourage them that doing right isn't guaranteeing results, but their life can be blessed of you still. And then, Father, and help us to be people of faith, that we take steps even when the result isn't guaranteed, to do what we know we ought to do because it's right, and to trust you, to rejoice and to trust you when it doesn't go as well as we want, to rejoice and to build on it when it does go well, God. Thank you for your people. I pray that you'd bless us this week and watch over us and help us to love you and to love each other. In Jesus' name, amen.